You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is Tuesday, May 4th, 2021. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. If it's gray, if it's overcast, it must be Dayton, Ohio. If it's Columbus, Ohio, and getting a lot of the same, it must be Dwayne Long. Dwayne, how goes it? (laughs) Same as it is in Dayton. It's gray. (laughs) So we get some nice days. We had a nice weekend, but then we pay for it in gray muck when we should be having field day. So let's get to some other interesting news. And we are going to talk about the 2022 draft. We're assuming at least 10 Buckeyes get picked again. Ohio State tied Alabama for most players picked in the draft held over the weekend with 10. Although Alabama's was top heavy with first round picks and Ohio State's maybe a little bit more like that next year. But we have 10 guys each. We're going to count down from 10 to 1. Neither of us knows the other guy's list, so that should be some fun. We're going to do that after the break. However, we will start with Jamison Juice Williams. We all expected attrition in the wide receiver room at some point. Williams probably would have been on the list in Vegas as guy most likely to leave or at least in the mix. I don't think you would have expected him to transfer to Alabama when this thing started, but he has landed at Alabama. He's projected to be third on their depth chart right now behind John Mechie and Slade Bolden, but they had a lot of injuries. This has essentially come down to a front row discussion on the following. Those in Williams's camp have said he was not given a fair shot. Others think he's transferring because the talent in front of him is too steep. We will get over what it means from a PR perspective for recruiting going forward, considering it's Ohio State versus Alabama. Hello, they meet each other routinely when the chips are on the table. Your thoughts on Juice Williams transferring to Alabama? Oh, please. This is so ridiculous. The guy, he didn't get a chance. Let me see. Let's go back over last year's games, Dan. Do you remember seeing a guy named Jamison Williams in the starting lineup? I do. He was in the starting lineup. He didn't get a chance. He was a starter. Come on, let's stop with this. What happened? The new talent came in, and he knew he was not going to play. He was going to be sucking up bench time is what he was going to be doing. So he went on. He, He decided to thumb his nose and go to Alabama. Well, if he's going to be third on their depth chart, well, that makes sense, though. You know, I'm just saying that this is this is utterly ridiculous what's going on with this. He's He was not going to be – I, I doubt he's going to be in the 2D. When you look at what uh, uh, in, uh, Egbuka did in the spring, just in the spring game and what, what we heard, and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., we he lit up the spring game. He was not going to play. And that does not include uh, Fleming. It doesn't include uh, uh, Smith and Jigba. He wasn't going to play. So, you know, he he needed a transfer. The fact that he went to Alabama was probably a, uh, you know, uh, kiss my ass out going out the door. Okay, that's fine. No, he was not going to play. That's that's why he went. He left. He was given every chance in the world. Starter, Dan. He was a starter. 
I guess it's symbolic that uh, the only play I remember from the recent spring game was a drop by Jamison Williams. I wrote this on the boards. I think the three biggest reasons he decided to transfer are in order. Jackson Smith, Najigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Emeka Egbuka. I think you could make an argument that Harrison Jr. may have been the one to actually push him out the door considering, and I'll just speak for myself, he's way ahead of where I expected him. No way do I expect him to come in and challenge for such early playing time, but that's excellent. And as far as the PR perspective, I think it's very impressive that you're going to have guys transfer away from your team and you know have a chance to play on a Clemson or an Alabama. It shows that your depth chart is just better. Keep in mind also, there are reinforcements coming. Caleb Burton is on the way. He's the number one rated wide receiver in the class. Julian Fleming is emerging. Jackson Smith and the Jigba is as consistent a receiver as they've got. So there just weren't a lot of catches out there. Alabama's going to have 11 receivers on their roster. Mechie and Bolden are pretty much locked in. There are some really talented guys on there. They brought in four receivers as well. I don't think this was a good idea for Juice Williams. I think he should have gone somewhere and tried to put up as many numbers as possible. What do you make of the assertion that this is the beginning of a mass exodus and that possibly a guy like Julian Fleming would be next? I mean, what's what, what? Why he knows he's going to play? This is all about Williams. Uh, he he know he wasn't going to play, Dan. He he only caught nine balls last year as a starter. He was not going to play, and and I don't even know where's that come from. Where, who started this? That uh, a bunch of guys are going to leave. Why would they leave? They're going to rotate a bunch of guys in there. Here's the thing that gets overlooked: uh, receivers are running a lot. So rotating guys in is is something you really want to do. Uh, you know, you run three plays out there, and you're running, you know, 15, 18, 20 yards down the field. You may want to be on the sideline for a play or two and rotate a bunch of guys in. That's just the way it's going to be, and that's the way you want it to be. So there's just absolutely no reason for uh, uh, – uh, Anybody else to leave, really? I mean, other than like Gardner uh, uh, and uh, uh, the, the kid from Cleveland, they're they're who aren't going to play. They haven't played yet, so they're never going to play. They want to be part of a championship team. I understand. Hang around. Good for you, but they're not going to play. They seem to have accepted that. They haven't tried to leave. There's nobody's going to be leaving. He was out. Period. And he left. Good luck. Yeah, if you think about it from an NFL perspective for a second here, if someone proposed to you a three-way trade where Ohio State would send Juice Williams to Alabama, Alabama would send draft considerations to Tennessee, and Tennessee would send Henry Toto to Ohio State, I think we'd make that trade 100 times out of 100. We'll be back with our inverted top 10 for next year's draft when it comes to the Buckeyes. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, we are back. One thing you know about your Buckeyes, they're going to win a lot of football games and they're going to have a lot of guys drafted. Even in a year where they had only one first-round draft pick, yet he got enough media coverage for 10 draft picks, Justin Fields. Next year, I think the draft class will be stronger for Ohio State at the top. I think 10 is a decent number to guess at. All right, here's how we're going to do this. 
We're going to start at 10. Dwayne is going to give you his number 10 guy. Then I'm going to give you my number 10 guy. There should be some overlap. There should be some inspired discussion. Dwayne, in the 2022 draft, who will be the 10th Buckeye drafted? Seven Banks is who I have. He, you know, he's he, he got to go. <laughs> uh, you're not going to redshirt a guy who's been in your, in your two-deep rotation as a senior to get one more year. Yeah, that just doesn't happen. Uh, so he's going to go. The player we've seen so far, I, I hope he's better. Then he can move up that, that uh, draft because this is he's a third-day guy right now. Third-day guy at best. So uh, my, number, my number 10 guy is Seven Banks. At number 10, I have Haskell Garrett, the defensive tackle who has thankfully returned. I wish Tommy Togai had done the same. But I think Garrett is going to meet a similar fate that Togai met in that they are not ideally sized. You'd like them to be a little bit bigger. And though they've had flashes of pass rush, I don't think you'd say they are consistent threats to the quarterback in an NFL situation. They're more of your standard routine inside guys very valuable to me in fact i think devalued in the nfl scheme but we're predicting when guys are going to get picked i just don't think defensive tackles who don't consistently rush the passer don't seem to come off the board anytime before the third or fourth round now i'm going to give my number nine guy because you've already given him i have seven banks at number nine i do think he's going to have a good year i'm not sure he has the upside some of the guys we've seen get drafted here before when we had the run on first rounders. But I do think he's going to have a better season and kind of thrive as the number one guy. Your thoughts on the number nine guy drafted, Dwayne? I'm going, I'm taking a flyer here. I'm going with Taraja Mitchell. I believe that, that he is going to be a kid that comes in and has an impact because he's only a one-year guy. The NFL is going to look at him a little bit different. Uh, you know, one-year starter, and why was you? Why would you be behind tough Borland? I think it really, you know, that's not taking a shot at Borland. That's just a fact. Uh, you know, why couldn't you beat out Borland? But I think he's it, when you saw him in the spring game, he's out there running around like a heat-seeking missile. He, he looks a little lighter. Uh, I think he could have have an in- impact. He might move up higher with a good year. But I think that thing of why did you not start before? Um, especially when you did not have an elite guy in front of you. I think that's going to be something that, you know how the NFL does. Look what they, look what they did to Justin Fields. Uh, they, they pick them apart. They just find all these things wrong. And I imagine that could come up uh, when the draft comes along. Don't imagine tough Borland is the front row gift that keeps on giving. If it's about tough, it will come up. There will be complaints. There will be rationalizations. There will be chatter. I'm going with uh, Josh Proctor. He's a, he's a kid that, you know, we've, he's been good at times, and other times you're like, what are you doing out there, kid? But mostly he's been a good uh, football player. Safety has a lot to do with why I have him down my list a bit. He's, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's a good football player. But safeties are just not going to go high in the draft. Safeties and guards are going to be uh, players that the NFL looks over their, corners, o- over their shoulder and says, Oh, those guys, they, they're just incidental in the NFL. Uh, so I think that's going to push him down some. Uh, I'm looking forward to him having a good year. I, I think Josh Proctor's a good, good uh, football player, especially on the ball. Proctor did not make my top 10, but I do agree with you that he has a bright upside. 
and that people don't like to draft safeties. At number eight, I have Thayer Munford, the left tackle prospect. Um, he does not have ideal size for the left side, but he has tons of experience, and he's just a quality 10-year player in the NFL, I think. I don't think he's got the upside, like I said, to go. I would say he's probably a third-round pick right now, but um, I think he's going to have a great year. Kiefer Thayer Munford, he's got to stay healthy again because he does have a little bit of a checkered injury past. Dwayne, number seven. Thayer Munford. Ah. I have Thayer Munford, too, again, and everything you just said. Uh, yeah, he's. I'm thinking third round for him. If he stays healthy, that's going to be a huge thing. He's been injured for periods of time every year he's been in here. He's he's isn't a very experienced guy. Healthy, he could bump up, I say, to the third round. If he has just a full year of complete health. Uh, I think he can do that. He's, he's, he's got some talent. He's a good football player. Uh, you know, he's not an elite. He's not, I thought he could early on. I thought he might develop into a first round caliber player, but he has not done that. And, uh, you know, he's had plenty of opportunity to staying healthy. I think would have helped him, uh, push him up a little higher, maybe into the second round, but, uh, he's a third round kid. Maybe he falls to the fourth, especially if he has an injury. My number seven guy, and Dwayne and I talked a little bit before the show, and I told him, I guarantee you I got a guy you don't have. My number seven guy is Henry Toto. I'm assuming he will transfer here. I'm assuming he will star in the middle or on the weak side, and I'm assuming he gets drafted seventh among the Buckeyes. Your thoughts on that? Oh, I, If I had thought about him, I, I certainly would have because the film I saw of him, He's going to plug. He's plug and play kind of kid. He is a kid. I don't remember when uh, he was being recruited. I didn't remember hearing anything about him. But I watch his film at Tennessee, and I'm thinking they got to be they got to be dying that they're losing this kid. Their program's struggling anyway, and here's a guy that can make a difference. And he's he's going to leave. That that's got to hurt. Uh, yeah, if he comes here, yeah. The only thing that's going to hurt again another position. Inside linebacker is not like outside linebacker at the NFL level. They are just not uh, that interested in uh, inside linebackers. They've got to be elite. But then again, he has the potential to be an elite kid. Tennessee just got a commitment from Texas's leading tackler last year, a transfer to replace Toto. The name escapes me, but I'm expecting Henry Toto to transfer here. Maybe that's hopeful, but I think he's going to transfer here and do very well in the middle. And again, more articles about tough Borland. Number six, Dwayne. I'm going with, uh, I'm going with Haskell Garrett. I, I have a, a higher opinion of him than you do. He is a, I think he's a bigger kid. I think he's a little bit more explosive than Tommy Togiai. I think that, uh, that he is going to, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go in the second round. I've seen that kid just his first step. Uh, he's, he's in the backfield. He is something he can be very special and notice, uh, think about this last year when, uh, <clears throat> when he was out, uh, we saw a little bit of give up there and, in, in, in the defensive line, when he came back on, he and Togi, I were just a great team. So, uh, I, I have him a little higher on my, on my, uh, my board than you do. 
If he's drafted where you think he's going to be, that means he had a really strong year rushing the passer, and that is very good for Ohio State. So I hope you're right. At number six, I have Tyreek Smith. Tyreek Smith is, I'm not sure anybody at Ohio State has had their draft stock discussed with a wider range of results than Tyreek Smith. We had guys early on, scouts thought he had the burst to be the next Chase Young type. He has not done that. I thought his best game he ever played at Ohio State, this isn't exactly a revelatory statement, was against Clemson in the semis, and then he got the COVID, so he couldn't do so against Alabama. And just like we say, uh, the other positions that are devalued, guys who can provide a pass rush are overvalued probably. So I could see Tyreek Smith getting a little boost if he can stay healthy and get himself somewhere between you know seven and 12 sacks this year. What's your vibe on that? I have Tyreek Smith. That's my, that's my guy here in this slot uh, for the same reason. He's got to stay healthy. He's, he's been banged up, banged up, banged up. And uh, years ago, <clears throat> I heard uh, Trent Dilfer say that the the uh, most important asset for a quarterback is availability. Well, I think that goes for any professional football player, any position. You got to be available. So the NFL looks at these these injury histories very extensively, very much so. They want a guy that has has proven he's durable. They know they can count on him week in, week out. He's going to be healthy and ready to play football. He's been, as you said, that Clemson game, I, I bet uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence was having nightmares about Tyreek Smith after that game. He chased him all over the damn field. So uh, he's got it in him. And you got to realize how, how little inexperienced, how inexperienced he is because he didn't play uh, football, I believe, until his junior year of high school. So uh, Tyreek Smith is a kid that has tremendous upside if he can stay healthy. Who do you have at number five, Dwayne? I'm going with Jeremy Rucker. It's now we're getting into the elite guys here and I'm going with Rucker. I think he could be a first round pick. If he was in a different offense, he'd be catching 50 balls a year. But uh, what they always say about Ohio State tight ends that keep banging around the league, they come in ready to block. They know they're going to block. They've been taught how to block, and they're not running around out there trying to be big wide receivers. So, uh, and Rucker can be that. You can line Rucker out wide. He is going to be a matchup problem. You know, we saw it with Pitts out of uh, Florida this year that everyone was talking about how much of a matchup problem he is. Yeah, he is. And I'm not saying Rucker is that athletic, but he's close enough that he can get out, you can spread him out, and he's a very willing blocker. Shows great hands, great athletic ability. Uh, I'm not going to be surprised if he uh, ends up in the first round. At number five, I have Chris Olave. I don't think Olave is going to be a first-round pick. I know he came back for that. I do think his slight frame is going to just push people back a little bit. He's obviously just incredibly productive and has been incredibly productive since day one. If you remember his performance against Michigan as a freshman, he hit the ground running here. But I have Chris Olave at number five. At number four, I'll go fourth. I have Jeremy Ruckert. I do think Ruckert is a, just a great prospect and was a great prospect when he came in here. Yes, you mentioned he's not going to put up the numbers that maybe someone in a more tight end heavy offense would, but Pat Fryermuth was the 55th overall pick. 
And I am confident that Jeremy Ruckert is a better player. Who do you have at number four? I am going to surprise everybody here. I am going with Craig Young. Young. Wow. Yeah. That's a great pick. I love it. Go ahead. I loved what I saw out of him in the spring game. I love what I heard about this kid. He is a prototype. Prototype for that third linebacker position that's a a combination uh, safety, uh, uh, outside linebacker. I believe he is going to shock and awe and and jump into the draft picture. I believe that's going to happen. It's possible if you think about Malik Hooker, who had a similar kind of meteoric rise and just – for a guy to do that in such a short period of time, like you said, you have to be a prototype. You have to check every physical box, you know, hard. And I think that's a fantastic pick. I'm jealous that you made it. I hope that happens because if it does, you're talking about having an absolute werewolf out there. And that is fun to watch mine for the last three. I think the order may surprise people. The names they may even surprise people. I'm kind of being a homer here, and I'm going with upside, but I think the number three Buckeye will be Nicholas Petit Frere. I don't know if people remember this, but Tyron Smith, when he was at USC, never started at left tackle. He backed up Ryan Khalil, who was an older player, got to Dallas as a 20-year-old and has started at left tackle ever since. They remind me of each other. It took Nicholas Petit Frere a little while to get going, but his combination of just power, size, technique, and intelligence. I think there's a very good chance he could be a franchise left tackle. He's also the kind of guy you could bring in at right tackle for a few years and switch him to the left. Number three, I have Nicholas Petit Frere. Your thoughts? I could not agree more on everything you said. Every single thing you said. I see a potential uh, franchise left tackle uh, over there for 10 years on some team. They just, okay, I don't have to worry about over there. I don't need to draft over there anymore. I got this kid for 10 years, and he's going to be outstanding. Pro Bowl, I, I could see it. And he did take a minute. We thought he was going to hit the lineup sooner. Now that he found his way, I don't remember him giving up a pressure, let alone a sack. If he did, he did, but I don't remember. And that's on the right side. I think he can kick to the left side. And, uh, and, and, you know, he'll just be uh, a, a superstar for years to come. I see a first-round draft pick in uh, Nicholas Petit Frere. I agree with that. And I would say the top three guys I have here are guys I would definitely project to the first round. I think you can get to about the fifth guy here with Olave, even though I said I don't think he'll be a first-round pick. I think he's got an outside shot. At number three, who do you got? I have Olave at number three. Um, and I, I have him down the list. I mean, you're talking about this kid is just a beautiful receiver. He's got great hands. He looks, he makes it look effortless. Uh, but again, the physical part is going to be, it's, it's going to kill him. It's going to knock him down, maybe out of the first round. He's got first round skills, but they, you know, he, is he fast enough? The kind of kid that you can put in the slot, like, uh, like a waddle. And, and let him run. I don't know if he has that kind of athleticism, that kind of burst, that kind of top-end speed to be a slot receiver. If someone sees him as a kid they can put in a slot, I believe that he could uh, jump into the first, but he doesn't have the, the body to be a number one 
split end type receiver. So, uh, but a lot of skills. And if he if he drops into the second round, I could see somebody uh, uh, moving up to take him. I think the best case scenario for him would be get projected like a Calvin Ridley type, your smaller, excellent route runner with speed that you can put next to a really bulky number one and thrive. Came back because he wants to be a first round draft pick. So for Chris's sake, I hope it happens. Who do you have at number two? Nicholas Petit Frere. <laughs> for all the reasons we've just discussed, he's he is elite. Uh, forget about trying to keep him, Buckeye Nation. You're not going to keep this kid. As good as he was last year, in his first year as a starter, he's going to be that much better this year. He's not going to stick around. He would not be smart to stick around. He's got to get out of there. He does make the money before he gets hurt. Made my feelings on Nick Petit Frere very clear. I think there's only one guy on the roster who will ultimately be drafted in a higher spot, and that is Paris Johnson Jr. At number two, Dwayne, I have... Garrett Wilson. I think he has a chance to be the best player on the team. He fits to me the number one receiver who can do a little bit of everything. I think he can take the top off the defense. You can line him up in the slot. You can go to him on third down. You can run him on reverses. I'm not sure there's much he can't do. Number two, I have Garrett Wilson. Your thoughts? I couldn't agree with you more about everything you said. The guy can, he's a a very physical receiver. He goes up. Uh, see, those are the kind of guys that everybody wants. You want that. That he's a split in. You know, we we ran him in a slot. Well, we ran him in as a as a split in uh, his freshman year. Those kind of guys that you can back shoulder, throw the ball up, and they're going to go up and get it. He's going to climb the ladder. He's going to come down with the football. That's the kind of guy that goes at the top of the draft. He is. You know, we talked about Olave not being strong enough. This kid's a bear. He is strong as he can be. He wins every battle. He goes up. He's going to take the ball away from the, the defender. I don't care who it is. He's going to win it. And that's what the NFL wants. That guy that if he's one-on-one, he's open. That's Garrett Wilson. He does have the occasional drop, but it looks to me like it's more of a lapse in concentration than an issue with his hands. I've seen him make every single play, and you just get a little bit of a vibe when the ball's in the air and it's headed for a certain guy and whether he's going to come down with it or not. And I just have total confidence in Wilson when that happens. All right, Dwayne, who do you have at number one? Garrett Wilson. There you have it. He, <laughs> he's my number one. That's what we just talked about here. He is a, a, a kid that goes in the top 10 in the draft. Just that kind of talent we've seen out of him. Uh, the only thing that I think may hurt him, we're going to have a kid that's never thrown the football uh, as a starting quarterback. That could have an impact on uh, at least how many balls he catches. I don't know if it's going to have any kind of impact on, uh, on how the NFL sees him. My number one guy is going to sound like a gamble considering he didn't even make Dwayne's top 10. And I am betting on upside and I am betting on a guy who really has not shown he could do this yet. My number one guy is Zach Harrison. And here's why. There were no defensive ends picked high in this year's draft, which means the teams at the top that aren't very good are going to be starving for a legitimate pass rusher. Harrison has all the potential in the world. If all the off-season chatter about Harrison is correct, if the light has come on, you just don't get dudes who are built like that. I think he has a very good chance to be a top 10 pick. My number one guy, Dwayne, is Zach Harrison. Your thoughts? If the light comes on, you're probably right. He's He is a prototype size-wise, 
for uh, an NFL rush in. He's exactly what, if you're building one from scratch, that's what he would look like. We just haven't seen it out of him yet. And I, you know, I don't know if he, if he does, you're going to be absolutely right about this. He is going to be a kid that's going to be able to go early and he's going to go very early in the draft. What's going to be, and I'll get out on this. I think it's going to be very interesting that he's going to get picked really high on the draft. And you can look for one of the storylines to be, he wasn't even the best defensive end on his team or the best prospect. I think we know who that is. We appreciate Dwayne stopping by. Have a good one, Bucknutters. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.